Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much for coming, and the New Yorker, thanks a lot for the invite, the invitation to read here. It's truly an honor. Tonight I'm reading a, a story called Malam Sile. It was a story published, as he mentioned, in the New Yorker in April of this year. <clears throat> and, um, and after that, um, but before that, I have a quick announcement to make, and that is, during the course of the story, the story has a component of singing in it. It has a singing component in it. So when it gets to that point, I would like to get some audience participation. I would like you to, not so much, you're not, I'm not getting you to sing or anything, but just to clap along with me while I sing the song. I think that would be terrific. Um, I have a few African relatives in there, so they know the beat quite well. And I also have uh, some musicians' friends dotted around the place, so they should be able to guide you through. And uh, don't feel obliged to do it, but just, you know, follow it. It will help me to sing the song. Um, okay. Malam Sile. He was popularly known as my tea, or the tea seller. His shop was situated right in the navel of Zango Street, a stone's throw from the cheese assembly shed and adjacent to the kiosk where Mansa BBC, the town gossip, sold her provisions. Along with fried eggs and white butter bread, Malam Sile carried all kinds of beverages, regular black tea, Japanese green tea, Milo, Bon Vita, cocoa drink, instant coffee. But on Zongo Street, all hot beverages were referred to just as tea. And it was common, therefore, to hear people say, Malam Sile, may I have a mug of cocoa tea? Or Sile, may I have a cup of coffee tea? The tea shop had no windows. It was built of wawa, a cheap wood easily infested by termites. The floor was uncemented, and heaps of dust rose in the air whenever a customer walked in. Sealy protected, protected his merchandise from the dust by keeping everything in plastic bags. An enormous wooden chop box, the top of which he used as a serving table, covered most of the space in the shop. There was a tall chair behind the chop box for Sile, but he never used it, preferring instead to stand on his feet even when the shop was empty. There were also three benches that were meant to be used only by those who bought tea, though the idle gossips who crowded the shop and never spent any money occupied the seats most of the time. Old Sile had an irrational fear of being electrocuted, and so he'd never tapped electricity into his shack, as was usually done on Zango Street. Instead, he used kerosene lanterns, three of which hung from the low wooden ceiling. Sile kept a small radio in the shop, and whenever he had no customers, he listened in meditative silence to the English programs on GBC2, as though he understood what was being said. Malam Sile was fluent only in his northern Sisala tongue, though he understood Hausa, the language of the street's inhabitants, and spoke just enough pidgin to be able to conduct his business. The morning were usually slow for the tea seller, as the majority of the street folks preferred the traditional breakfast of cocoa de masa, or corn porridge with rice cake. But come evening, the shop was crowded with the three young men and women who gossiped and talked about the latest news in town. Some came to the shop just to meet their loved ones. During the shop's peak hours, from 8 in the evening until around midnight, one could hardly hear oneself talk because of the boisterous chattering that went on. 
But any time Malam Saleh opened his mouth to add a conversation, people would say, Shut up, Saleh, what do you know about this? Or close your beak, Saleh, who told you that? The tea seller learned to swallow his words and eventually spoke only when he was engaged in a transaction with a customer. But nothing said or even whispered in the shop escaped his sharp ears. Malam Sile was a loner. He was a loner without kin on the street or anywhere else in the city. He was born in Nampugu, a small town in the north. He left home at age 16 and all by himself journeyed more than the 900 miles in a cow truck to find work down south in Pumasi, the capital, of, the capital city of Ghana's Godrich Asante region. Within a week of his arrival in the city, Sile landed a job as a housekeeper. Although his monthly wage were meager, he sent a portion of them home to his ailing parents, who lived like paupers in the drought-stricken village. Even so, Sile's efforts were not enough to save his parents from the claws of death, who took them away in their sleep one night. They were found clinging tightly to each other, as if one of them had seen what was coming and had grabbed onto the other so that they could go together. The young Sile received the news of his parents' death with mixed emotion. He was sad to lose them, of course, but he saw it as a well-deserved rest for them, as they both had been ill and bedridden for many months. Though Sile didn't travel up north to attend their funeral, he sent money for a decent burial. With his parents deceased, Sile suddenly found himself with more money in his hands. He quit his house, servant job, and found another selling ice kinky in Kumasi's central market. Sile kept every peso he earned, and two years later, he was able to use his savings to open a tea business. It was the first of such establishments on Zango Street, and will remain the only one for many years to come. Malam Sile was short, so short, in fact, that many claimed he was a pygmy. He stood exactly five feet, one inch tall, Although he didn't have the broad, flat-nosed, poorly developed chin and round head of the pygmies, he was stout and hairy all over, as they were. A childhood illness that had caused Sile's vision to deteriorate had continued to plague him throughout his adult life. Yet he refused to go to the hospital and condemned any form of medication, traditional or western. God is the one who brings illness, and he is the only true healer. This was Sile's simple, if rather mystical, explanation. Sile's small face was covered with a thick, long beard. The wrinkles on his dark forehead and the moistness of his soft, squinted eyes gave him the appearance of a sage, one who had lived through and conquered many adversities in his life. His smile, which stretched from one wrinkled cheek to the other, bearing his color-stained teeth, radiated strength, wisdom, and self-confidence. Sile wore the same outfit every day, a white polyester jalabia and its matching window, which is a loose pair of slacks that tied with strength at the waist. He had eight of these suits and wore a different one each day of the week. Also, his head was perpetually shaved, and he was never without his white embroidered Mecca hat, worn by highly devout Muslims, as a reflection of their submission to Allah. Like most of the street dwellers, Sile owned just one pair of slippers at a time and replaced them only when they were worn out beyond repair. An unusual bed defect that caused the tea seller to grow an additional toe on each foot 
had made it impossible for him to find footwear that fit him properly. Special slippers were made for him by Anaba the cobbler, who used discarded car ties for the soles of the shoes he made. The rascals on Zango Street, led by Samadu, the street's most notorious bully, poked at Sile's feet and his slippers, which they call Kalabirwala, an nonsensical term that no one could understand, let alone translate. At 46, Malam Sile was still a virgin. He routinely made passes at the divorcees and widows who came to his shop, but none showed any interest in him whatsoever. What will I do with a dwarf? The woman will ask, feeling ashamed of having passes made at them by Sile. A couple of them seemed receptive to sit to, to T-Sale or Sile's advances, but everyone knew that they were flirting with him only in order to get free tea. Eventually, Sile resigned himself to his lack of success with women. He was convinced that he would die a virgin. Yet, late at night, after all the customers, idlers and rumor mongers, had left the shop to seek refuge in their shanties and on their bug-ridden grass mattresses, Sile could be heard singing love songs, hoping that a woman somewhere would respond to his passionate cries. And this is where we sing the song. I'm going to make it quick. It goes like... Thank you. Great. A beautiful woman, they say, just like a elephant's meat. A beautiful woman, they say.